everyone and welcome back to the Mental Health Scoop, the podcast that discusses prevalent issues in our daily lives, how to accept them and how we can overcome them. So on the podcast today, we have a very special guest, sportsperson and mental health advocate Shane Carthy, who is going to be sharing his mental health journey by going into depth with the feelings and thoughts he experienced when he was suffering from depression, why getting help is vital and the ups and downs of his recovery. So, you know, I want to add that those of you who have listened to the podcast before know that I would normally have up to three guests on the show. However, today, for once, we're going to keep it short and sweet. I really want to emphasize the importance of Sean's story as it is extremely relevant, um, you know, especially to students our age. And I think it sends a really, really important message, you know, in many different lights. So I'm really hoping that it resonates in some form of way. So Sean touches on the importance of mental health and its link with physical activity and the part it played in his recovery. And I think this is really relevant to the current situation, especially because of virtual learning and, you know, working from home and the amount of dedication this requires. The whole aspect of sitting on a laptop all day long is so draining. And then by the time you finish, it's dark and going for a run or a walk is literally the last thing you want to be doing. But, you know, once you kind of establish that routine, despite how hard it is to get out there, it soon turns into a day-to-day tradition. And then eventually it's almost hard to go a day without it. So, you know, this love for the positive energy we get from exercise is all linked to the brain and the reward system. So through dopamine. And for those who might fall into the overeating, under-exercising practices at the moment, um, because, you know, there's a lot due to corona, um, exercise can actually modify the reward response to both food and exercise. So basically, to break that down, that means that exercise helps to curb your usual unhealthy cravings and behaviours because it replaces that short-lasting hit of energy that you would get from, say, eating a tub of Ben & Jerry's. So by doing exercise or by exercising, um, you're actually taking your mind off all them things that are you're not they're not going to have any positive impact on your body, and um, it's it's only going to you know bring positive things. So I'm now going to introduce Shane Carthy on the show, joining us all the way from Dublin. So Shane, you were um, extremely young, you know, just fifth year whenever you started to realise that you had problems with your mental health. Um, do you want to explain, you know, what was happening in your mind and what the signs were that made you realise that you weren't in a great place at such a young age? Yeah, so as you said, it was the middle of fifth year. Um, what I didn't know then, what I now know was a certain amount of depression. Um, and I guess in terms of signs and symptoms, I thought at the very start with hormonal changes going on in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, as I would have had things to look forward to, I would have been from the outside looking in, living an idyllic life and um, playing for the double minor footballers, as it were. And I would have had things to look forward to. I would have had either a match in Crow Park or an out with my friends. But for whatever reason, once, twice a month at the very, very start, it would have been, you know, these days where I couldn't get up for. I should have been happy. I should have had things to look forward to, but I couldn't make sense of it. And I guess, you know, at that time, mental health wasn't, um, you know, wasn't topical. It was it was very much stigmatised. as it probably is still now, but less so um, in around this time. But at that time, I didn't know what mental health was, depression, anxiety. So I didn't particularly know um, what I was looking out for. Um, and it was only then fast-tracked into kind of two years of a journey where no one was none the wiser what was going on for me. Um, I put up that infamous mask, that poker face, and, and said absolutely everything was okay. Because as I said, the outside looking in, I was living this great life. Um, and it wasn't only until... My final kind of weeks gone through two years of depression and um, again unbeknownst to me that you know these suicidal ideations were you know manifested into my head for three or four months um, and it was only when I got up in St. Patrick's Mental Hospital 
in Dublin that I kind of realised um, what exactly I was going through and it was all explained and I was essentially educated upon the subject of, of mental health and depression. Yeah, and at that point you hadn't confided in anybody, you didn't think about talking about it because you really didn't realise yourself what was going on. Yeah, yeah, and that, that was the thing. I, I, As I said, kind of the last couple of months um, I wanted to speak up, but the confusion in my head was I didn't know what I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. I couldn't make sense, but as you said, and it was a frustration in myself because, as I said, these suicidal ideations were swirling around my head that I didn't want to have. Yeah. They didn't go yeah. too far away from me. And, you know, that was a scary, scary thing. And that was then, you know, my kind of light bulb moment of I need to speak up here because I want to be part of this world, but my mind is telling me otherwise. But as I said, the cleverness was an all-time high. I didn't know what, what I wanted to say. And it was only the last kind of couple of weeks um, before my admission into the same paths that the cracks began to appear. A bloodshot eyes going into work, going into college, coming back home. And my mom and dad really knew it was going on for me. And, you know, it was then a conversation that I'll have with them. And it actually wasn't a massive conversation. I said, I'm going through a difficult time. I'd be feeling this way for two years. And I don't know what it is, but, you know, I, I, I'm in a, I'm in a bad, bad place here. Yeah. And, and the, one of the signs was you, you felt that you can, can see that, you know, there was a point that you started to lose a sense of yourself. Or maybe did you just become a little bit introverted? Did your friends notice? Or did you just really you know hide your feelings and you know put on that front and that, that was the thing that was the you know when, when my friends kind of realized what was going on for me it was only when and um, they'd heard that I went in the same paths that they couldn't believe it because mm-hmm. uh, if I'm being honest I probably should have been given an Oscar award for the acting performance for the two years you know and that, that was the thing I, I was so good at keeping up this front you know before I went out mm-hmm. I would kind of build myself up okay I'm the top out, outgoing person and that I always was prior to you know, the middle of fifth year when it started for me. And I guess what was keeping me going at that time, if you talk about a crutch or a medication, it was physical exercise. I was training five, six, seven times a week. If I could have trained even more than that, I would have. Because, you know, I'm sure everyone can relate to listening listen to this as the post-endorphins that you, that you release, you know, um, after exercise. That was my crutch, my medication at that time. And I just very much went after it every single day. So it kind of kept me going. Mm-hmm. it made me you know keep up that front that bit easier than probably what it should have been yeah and and as you said you were only around 19 you know you're playing senior dubs then you just won your all-ireland and you know from an outside perspective you know your head was probably in the clouds to some people and you know that because of the achievements you were like you know it was great for that kind of age and then like that was actually when you hit your lowest point and that was whenever the suicidal that you know thoughts came around this time um but then you were hit with a completely different type of emotion and that was grief you lost your grandparents in the space of six weeks which is really devastating to anyone really and obviously you were going through mental health issues at that time so did that make it worse or how did you feel yeah and that that was the thing you know I'd I'd come to the point of you know before the the loss of my grandparents and you know I was building up the courage I was okay I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say something here because as I said these suicidal ideations weren't going too far away from me And as I said, I didn't know what I wanted to say, but I need to speak up and I was building up the courage. Okay, I'm going to say something to my mom and dad here. And then, you know, with the loss of my granddad, I felt like whatever I'm going through in my life can't even compare to what my family are going through. So that made me put up that poker face yet again. That crutch, that medication was football as my outlet. And then a couple of weeks have passed just after the um, my granddad's funeral. I'm building up the courage yet again. I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something. And then within the space of six weeks, you know, my nanny had passed away, both on my mom's side. So you can imagine then, you know, an already burdened family, you know, how, how can I say to my mom and dad, I'm going through a difficult time here because, you know, whatever I was going through, I was thinking, yeah, I can't compare it to what they're, what they're feeling right mm-hmm. now. So uh, I kept it within as I did for those previous two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, 
was there ever a point that your mental health began to try and you know disintegrate your love for sports and Gaelic because obviously when you were trying to conceal that and you weren't speaking about it that was your distraction so like did that ever start to you know weary your love for it yeah I, I guess the first time that I had ever faced up to maybe not even football can be my outlet was actually um the morning of the Leinster final and mm-hmm. um, up to that point that was my escapism that was my um that was my safe haven uh, but it was the morning of the Leinster final that I went out for um, probably not the most ideal thing. My sister uh, brought me out for a couple of hours cliff walk up the, the hills of Hope, just 20 minutes away from me. And again, not the idyllic thing to do before a Leinster final, but it was just trying to distract me for a couple of hours before the game. And I was thinking, you know, I don't even want to go out into this pitch, you know, yeah. uh, that, that evening against uh, Mead, as it were, for doing the 21 Leinster final. And that was the first really kind of stark reality of where I was at because for the previous two years, I was just happy out playing football. But at that stage, I was thinking, I can't even go through with this. And the ironic thing was that I that actually did. I went to, to, and, and played that final and actually got man the match. Um, and that that was just, um, you know, an amazing feat to, to kind of think of where my head was at only 12 hours previous. I was in a flood of tears with my mom in my sitting room. Mm-hmm. And then 12 hours later, I'm, I'm up on top of the stands collecting my Man of Match award victorious in the Leicester final. So I guess the the contrast there, it, it was very much the, the first kind of warning sign for me that, you know, I need to speak up here because, you know, I was facing up to maybe football can't even be my outlet. I would have spoken up on day one. You know, I wouldn't have wished that my worst enemy what I went through for two years. So it's definitely a, a, an important piece to say as in, you know, I still see, you see my psychologist like class it as nearly an NCT or a top up, you know, as, as you go for your once a year once every six months um, and it's just kind of top up on my mind kind of just keep me keep me in in shape so last week we spoke about suicide prevention and I had a guest on who discussed his journey after his suicide attempt last year and he said that his gender was definitely a big factor in the fact that he didn't help ask for help or open up do you think that was maybe similar to you um and that you didn't really speak to your friends or open up to your parents or was it just more of a, a pride thing that you were too scared to say and you didn't know what to say I think it was a bit of both. And, and I think, you know, the, the difficult thing is with, with males in particular, and it's not to demean females by any, by any means, but the stats are out there that males are more reluctant to speak about their mental health and can be more effective. And that was the thing for me that, you know, when you're going into a dressing room with 30 lads, you know, 30 masculine, tough, quote unquote, tough men, you know, how can I show the sign of weakness? And it's, it's a very important point to say that's not a sign of weakness. But at that time, it did, you know, to, to speak up about my mental health. And, and you know, it's, it's a normal conversation within my, my group of circle and my closer group of circle of friends or even teammates now. But at that time, it was definitely a stigma that I had attached to it that, you know, males can definitely not show any weakness and speak ill of their mental health. Yeah, I know gender, gender is equal, you know, and everyone deserves the right to cry. Everyone deserves the right to open up. And that's so important. And I did, we discussed a lot about that last week, but I just wanted to get your, you know, your kind of your perspective on that. And and how important was opening up both to like personal people in your life and professional people um, in your recovery process? Did that help you like leaps and bounds? Massively, yeah. And, and I fit, and even the first kind of time that I had a, you know, a real conversation was the couple of weeks um, prior to my admission into St. Pat's. And that was kind of the breaking ground for me. And when I was in then St. Pat's, I was um, both speaking to my family who were visiting me every single day or my sisters, as it were, and obviously the doctors and psychologists. And it was a strange thing at the beginning because I was mute for two years. I didn't know how to express my feelings, my emotions, my opinions on my mental health. And 
it was very much an education process of how to manage these emotions and notice these signs and symptoms. And, you know, I, I think after 11 weeks, my mom and dad joked about it. It was like, I never shut up, you know, <laughs> in, in a good way. You know, I was so mute for two years that now I'm so open about speaking. With them. I'm not having a great day here. I'm going through a bit of stress with work or college or having a difficulty with some friends. And it's just a part of a normal conversation for me. And it was a massive weight off my shoulders to know that I can have that conversation then. Just like I'm speaking about, you know, football match or the weather, you know, it's on the even keel that, that it is. Yeah, I know. Um, I really wanted to touch on the importance of exit. Can you, is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I really wanted to touch on the importance um, of exercise and well-being. Obviously, you know, you were struggling and, and football was essentially one of your jobs, even though, you know, it was enjoyable, but that was whenever you were going through your really rough time. You know, that was something you seen as you, you did that every single week religiously. And yeah. um, then you stated after your like during your recovery process that you started to have a, like a love for running, and for you, for you that was a big link in your recovery. And you know how did that underplay as one of your coping mechanisms? Like did did it just have a really positive impact on you? Yeah, massively. And, and I guess when I went into St. Pat's, you know, um, the nurses, doctors, psychologists were asking me, you know, wh- what can we do for you to help you in your recovery process? And I'll never forget the conversation. I said I just need an open field. And they were looking at me with kind of, what do you mean an open field? It was like, I've exercised for the last two years. This has been the only outlet that I've had to get me over this difficult time. I know this works for me. Whatever about medication, CBT, talk therapy, all this sort of stuff, I know this works for me. So this is what I need. And every single day, um, I'd have a couple hours leave with whether it be my mom or dad or my sisters. And they bring me to the Phoenix Park, which was only five or 10 minutes away. And I would run. I would just run for an hour run for an hour because I knew those endorphins that I'd released post-exercise would keep me going for that day on top of the therapy that I was obviously receiving. But um, it was something that I definitely knew that worked for me. And still to this day, you know, as I said, those bad days are, you know, inevitably kind of come. But that physical exercise piece, whether it be a run, a walk, a swim, a cycle, um, and for people listening in, it doesn't have to be, you know, the infamous 5Ks that we're probably all doing during lockdown. Find something that works for you. If it's just a walk with a friend, happy days but it's that physical kind of nature of releasing those endorphins and you can't feel feel any better after that yeah and, and why is exercise so important for your mental health in terms of you know you know keeping motivated and in, in terms of lockdown like how, how will that help people i think it's it, particularly for, for people during lockdown i think it's important to, to do every single day because as i said how you feel after you know you, you, you always talk to people it's like I'm, I'm glad i've done that you know um, that run that cycle that swim you'll never regret um, a workout that, that, you, that you do and I guess during lockdown it keeps that kind of accountability piece of you know if you plan it in to your structure every single day and that's important even to talk about kind of lockdown that we're all kind of going into in at the minute is that structure piece you know plan something that you enjoy every single day on top of physical exercise so it's a walk or swim or run whatever it is and then something else that makes you tick and makes you happy it's very very important to say as well it's very individualistic you know what works for me may not work for you Mm-hmm. It's about finding out what works for you and plan that into your daily structure every single day. Yeah, and, and I also yeah. want to touch on uh, for the students that are um you know that are listening to the podcast, you also um you got your degree from DCU, didn't you? Um, yeah. um how did you, you know, there was obviously times that were really high pressure in, in student life as well with the exams and assignments and things like that. How did you try and like cope with you know issues that you have 
by yourself and you know managing your stress like sometimes you know I feel myself personally I, I like I like to go out for runs as well but then whenever I have assignments and things like that it's so hard to be able to try and get them in and then I feel like whenever you get into that sort of time period that you have so many ex- exams and assignments it's hard to get into that running period and then you don't get the endorphins and you know it's stressful and that kind of builds on you know the stressful part of student life how did you kind of manage that? But how I managed it was actually it, it was a it was a thing of and it was the foundation of where I re- rebuilt my life. I'd spoken to people in my class, um, whether it be the the actual lecturers or the students themselves, and actually bounce ideas off them because I think for a lot of students, you know, the the infamous thing of on stress of of assignments or of a, an exam coming up, and um, you know everyone's in the same boat, so share that kind of you would say quote unquote burden with them because you know you can find a lot of kind of cross correlation with each other and find what you know how they're coping with it um and you know what bits of pieces are they studying for an assignment or an exam and you know bounce ideas off each other with that and even at that as well sometimes you know people who are going through a difficult time find actually that talking piece quite difficult um and they don't want to speak and how I would then deal with that will be actually to write your thoughts and feelings down the page you know, it's it's kind of you're essentially talking to the page. You know, you can get sick of talking, but I completely relate to that. Um, and write these thoughts and feelings down. And I guess that exercise piece, I would say, try incorporate it into your day. Um, I, I would definitely say you, you find yourself a lot more productive. Um, and I know people find themselves productive either early in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. But again, it's very individualistic. If you're productive in the morning, go off and do that run, that cycle, that swim and then do your bit of college work thereafter. So, um, again, just find out what works for you and, and go from there. I would say, and again, number one for me, um, and again, as I refer to that foundation of where I built, rebuilt my life, everything that has come thereafter wouldn't have come unless I had spoken up, you know, and it's a thing of, it's very difficult in terms of, I confided in my parents, I confided in my sisters. And for people who are going through a difficult time, they might actually be the most difficult people to confide in. Because you feel like you can't feel you can't speak to the people closest to you because you feel like you're gonna add an already burdened kind of you know way of life that that they're living now in lockdown. So whether it be your best friend, whether it be Mary or Joe down the street, find that one person that you can confide in and have that conversation. It doesn't have to be your whole your your whole story. It can just be that broach of conversation. Look, I'm going through a difficult time. Can I speak to you? And even on the flip side of that, for the people probably asking or wondering. You know, how do I deal with someone coming to me saying they're going through a difficult time? My advice to those people would actually be not to be, try not to be the doctor or psychologist in the room, you know, but just be that listening there. For me, from my experience, all I wanted was nearly a rebound. Like as I'm just a, just a board kind of speak across it as in like let my problems um, manifest over to them. Um, and very oftentimes the person on the other side doesn't have to say a lot. Um, it's just letting that other person get that weight off their shoulders. So. And that that'll be that'll be my take on that. Yeah, and again, the importance of speaking to people and getting everything out is just so important to to stay consistent. When, um, Shane, thank you so much for your perspective today. Do you know it was really really important? I think so many people can relate to it, especially your kind of hobbies as well. There's a lot of listeners that are big sports players as well, and it's 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 really important to realise that you know physical activity is so important so important for the mind and and the wellness and you know um hopefully some people can take some advice from this so thank you very much again i think shane reiterated what dylan said last week about hiding his emotions and thoughts by putting on a mask so it really shows how important it is to check in on your friends and make sure they're doing okay even if they seem like they always do showing you care about someone is never going to be the wrong thing to do 
So before we go, I'm just going to outline the takeaway points from Shane's story. You know, the things that I think are really important to remember. So don't ever feel like you're going to be a burden to anyone. You may think that the person you want to tell or open up to is going through a rough time and you'll only make matters worse. That is just not the case. If you have trust in this person and you're willing to open up to them, this feeling is going to be mutual and they will do anything they can to help you. Don't be fooled by people who are living a life that you idolise or want. Often these people have hidden issues, perhaps due to stress or the pressure of living up to expectations. Anyone can have mental health issues. Don't be afraid to reach out for professional help. It's easy to picture that stereotypical image of people in white coats, just like Shane mentioned. But that's not reality. People in support groups, clinics and charities are only trained to be there for you and for as long as you need them for. And again, please remember it's all down to personal preference. So just because your neighbour is squatting 100 kg every day does not mean you have to. A walk is just sufficient. Do not compare yourself to others. Physical activity is physical activity and will still create the same effect on our brains, no matter what form of exercise it is. Exercise helps the mind in the healing and growing process. It gives us strength to remain strong and have, have a better grasp of our problems. So try your very best to include it in your day. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, Shane, for joining us. And thank you all so much for the continuous support. And just to let you know, my socials are all public. So if you ever want to drop me a message about absolutely anything, some advice or even a chat, my phone is never too far away. So yeah, I hope you all enjoyed and I will see you next week on the Mental Health Scoop.